0: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And and even the the promise from our prayer of confession is that we will be in the house of the Lord because He will go with us. He dwells with us. And so this morning, we get to do that together. Um, We're going to be in Psalm 122 today. So if you will find that in your Bibles. I want to orient us to kind of where we are in the story. and, And I appreciate Josh... Um, sharing that with us. But every morning we come, every Sunday morning we come, and we have a call to worship, right? That call that says, hey, you are a people because of what God has done, so come and worship the one who has done it. And so we gather together by His enabling and by His call and then we sing songs and we remind ourselves that 10,000 reasons. We have more than 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord, but we've forgotten throughout the week. And maybe you haven't. Maybe you've come in and you've been like, man, I'm, I am blessed. I'm walking in it. It is amazing. God has opened my eyes. Man, that's, that's awesome. But maybe you've come and you've, you've said, you know what? Work's been tough. Family's tough. There are, there are a lot of things that I'm struggling with to believe that God is good. And so, we, we begin by telling ourselves, remember soul, God is good. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. David preaches that to himself. He reminds himself in, psalm, in, in the psalm that I need to bless the Lord. That's what I was created to do. I've forgotten, and yet we do it. And so, we, we preach that gospel to ourselves Paul does the same thing in all of his letters to the churches. He reminds them, he says, take joy, rejoice, have joy, right? And remember who God is and be excited about it. And so this morning we gather together to remember. And, and then by remembering who God is, we remember who we are. He's holy and righteous and pure and good. And then I look at my week and I'm like, I'm not those things. Even the good things that I've done are usually out of some sort of selfish motive. And yet, we can confess that with confidence because we have Christ. Because He is our peace. He is our joy. He is our Savior and our Redeemer. And so, just thankful that we confess that every week. Both who God is and who we are. And both of those confessions, right, as we grow in our knowledge of the holiness of God, and we grow in the knowledge of our depths of sin, the thing that spans that chasm is Jesus. And so as those two things grow, Jesus, the cross, becomes larger. And we can glory in that, and we can rejoice in it. And when we tell people, it's not just words. It's like, no, I believe this. God is good, and He's been good to me in the person of Jesus. And so then we come in that knowledge to sit under the Word of God together. So we've already acknowledged who we are, we've seen our identity, both as sinners and saints, because of what Jesus has done. And so now we can come to God's Word correctly. We don't come to it for moralism, to try to, try to do better and, and get better. We don't come to it for self-help. We don't come to it for those reasons. We come to it for, as sinners, gathered together at the foot of the cross to remember who Jesus is and what He's done for us. And today we get to do that in Psalm 122. I'm excited. Um, I'm glad. Like like the psalmist, I'm glad that we get to join together in the house of the Lord this morning. So if you can take a moment, find Psalm 122 in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a couple. We've also got Psalm Scripture journals. So if you want to grab one of those at the end, uh, they're the big black ones that look like a Bible, but it's just the Psalms up at the front. But you can grab those. They've got some pages next to it that you can take notes and underline and do all kinds of really cool stuff in. So that's, those are gifts, so feel free to grab one. It's just helpful in study. Um, remember that even as we come to this point, it's not a, it doesn't allow us to be passive, right? We're not just going to sit and listen to, to one guy speak, but together as the body of Christ bringing all of our gifts together, we're going to encourage one another. We're going to read the Word of God. We're going to let it stir our hearts and have an effect to change who we are and the way that we behave because we have this great Savior. The reality is that the only good thing that we can walk in is whatever Christ has purchased for us. So if we look at the Word, hoping to get better, we've already missed the point. If we look at the Word, remembering who God is, and then out of that walking in the righteousness that He's purchased for us in Jesus, that's our hope. That's where we rest today. As we look at the Psalms, which are Old Testament Scripture, maybe you're, you're unfamiliar kind of with, with the Bible, but there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Testament means covenant, which means promise. So there's an, there's an old promise of God being with His people, and then there's a new promise of God being with His people in Christ. So as we look at the Old Testament, we can still see Jesus. As we're looking at the Psalms, and He's beginning to talk about what it means to gather together in the house of the Lord... We can see that, that in the Old Testament, that was in the temple, in the tabernacle. But in the New Testament, that's in Jesus. And so we rest and ex- get excited about seeing Jesus, no matter where we are in the Bible. This sermon series, is, as Josh reminded us, is the Psalms of Ascent. And Jeremiah Fife is the pastor at Cross Point Coast Pineda. And two weeks ago, he led us in, in the first Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 120, um, reminding us that we are sojourners, that we have a home. That we dwell amongst a people that are sinful, and we are the sinful people that dwell in that place, and yet, God is calling us to something different, to something better. Last week, we remembered that, that as we sojourn, as we travel, in Psalm 121, God is our guardian and our keeper. He's, he's given us a promise, just like in Joshua 1:9, that he's going to go with us wherever we go. so we can be strong and we can be courageous and we can trust in that hope. Today in Psalm 122. We're going to look at Jerusalem. Um, We're going to be spending some time because a psalmist is is remembering what it is to come to Jerusalem. So as the sojourners were traveling to Jerusalem, when they got there, there was great joy. Let's read it together. Psalm 122. I'm going to read aloud and if you'll follow along with me. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls, and security within your towers. For my brothers' and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you so much that your word is true. And yet, we come uh, struggling to believe this morning, so we pray that you would first give us the gift of faith this morning, to believe your word to be true. And then as we look to Your truth, I pray that You would give us joy. I pray that we would see that we have a home. That we have a God who knows us and has brought shalom, brought peace. God, and yet we we get glimpses and tastes of it. So there's an already, but not yet, not fully. We still struggle in the midst of a sinful world. And yet we have this promise, and I pray that we would believe it today. I pray that You would open our eyes, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, I pray that we would long to know, long to love, and long to worship You by the power of Your Holy Spirit working in our hearts today. God, may we see Jesus, and may we, may we be stirred up to love and good works. May we be changed for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have three sections. There's three different paragraphs in this passage, so in your Bibles you'll be able to follow along in the sections that I'm in. The first section is, is simply that, that I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Remember, this is David. It says it in the very beginning, which is helpful. We don't have to guess who the author is. It says it's a Psalm of David. So if you know any of the story of David, you know that David was a man after God's own heart. So when he was told that he was going to the house of the Lord, he got excited. He was glad. There was joy and excitement. But maybe you don't know who David was. So I'm just going to walk us through the story real fast. You see, in the beginning, we have God. And and if you go all the way back to Genesis, you have God. And God created. And last week we talked about, like, if we have this helper that was the creator of heaven and earth, then we can have confidence and so we, we begin there today. That God is the Creator. That He created Adam and Eve. That they were human beings He created in His image. And they reflected His glory and His beauty. And together they had communion with God. And they walked with God. They dwelt with God. So that was the house of the Lord. That was the, the dwelling place of God with man. was the Garden of Eden in the beginning. And yet, yet we know the, the story... That even though God had provided everything, He did give some rules for their benefit. And yet they rebelled. And they said, on my own I can live. I don't need to follow all of God's rules. I've got, I, could, I could do that. I could take from that, that fruit and eat it. And so in their rebellion, they rebelled against God. And Adam, Eve believed a lie, and she shared the lie with Adam, and they believed the lie together, and then they both ate of the, ate of the fruit together that God had commanded them not to eat from. And so, God, being just and righteous and good, punished them. That's what we want from a king. We've got to remember that. Sometimes we think, man, that seems harsh. But the reality is, I, we want a king who is just and fair and true. And that's what they received. But even in the midst of the brokenness, God comes with a promise. And He said that there will come one who will crush the serpent, who is the liar, the deceiver. He will crush the serpent under His foot. So even in Genesis 3, where we see the fall, we also see the promise that one is coming who will restore that relationship that they had that we can't even imagine. We can't imagine what it would be like to walk with God. We see glimpses of it, but actually understanding it is far beyond us. Well, we're going we're to move through uh, a couple hundred years real fast, but... But out of that, God sent Adam and Eve away, and He sent them out of the garden. But He stuck to His promise of being with His people. And so He called out of, out of all the nations, He called a people to Himself. He came to Abraham, and Abraham was an older man, shouldn't have been able to have kids. God promised him that he would have more kids than the stars, that those would be his offspring. And he he didn't believe it at first, and yet God showed him in it. He had Isaac at an old age. He and Sarah had Isaac at an old age. And then Isaac had Jacob. And this began this lineage of a promised people who would have God. He would be their God, and they would be His people. And so we follow the story through the Old Testament of Jacob. And then his son Joseph and how joseph ended up in egypt saving the people and bringing the the hebrew people to egypt for salvation for to be saved like in the midst of a famine and yet after that they were treated like slaves and they after many generations it was forgotten what they had done and how they had how joseph had saved all of egypt and the hebrew people and so all of those things were forgotten and then several hundred years later we see that the people are being the Hebrew people are being mistreated and abused and treated as slaves in the midst of Egypt. And so Josh has already pointed us to how Moses went and he led the people out of of Egypt and the Passover and what God had done in saving a people and redeeming them out of slavery and captivity and bringing them into the promised land where again he promised that he would dwell with them. You see, that's the hope. The hope isn't that they would not be slaves anymore. The hope was that they would have their God that they would dwell with him. But we, we lose sight of that so often. We see the circumstances and we just want to be out of the circumstances and not just be with Jesus. But our hope today is that we would remember that God saved a people out of Egypt for himself. And so we see that he gave them judges to rule After they they sinned in the desert and they weren't able to go into the promised land right away, eventually, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, they were allowed to go into the promised land. Moses didn't get to see it, but the people of God did. He was faithful to His promise. And then He set up judges to rule over them. And the people weren't too happy. They were for a little while, but then eventually they got tired of it and they just wanted to be like everybody else around them. And so they wanted a king. And God said, no, you don't want a king. And they said, no, we do want a king. And so finally He gave them a king and it turned out that wasn't what they needed. And yet, so Saul was established as a king and then we come to David. Saul sinned and and the kingdom needed to go to someone else and God ordained that it would go to David because David was a man after his own heart. And so that's the David that's singing, preaching, rejoicing in this psalm. And he was a he was a poet. He was... Uh, very creative, which I don't understand as much, but I can still see the beauty of poetry in this psalm. We're going to see it later. And so we're going to rejoice with David. That's, that's why he longed to dwell and go to the house of the Lord. Because he knew all of this story and saw the promises of God as he kept, and he was faithful to the people of Israel. And now, the tabernacle that God had established was in the city of Jerusalem where David lived. And so he could go to the house of the Lord often. In verse 2 we see, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. The joy of being where God is. So, it's a, it is a little bit of a transition from last week, because last week we were talking about a sojourner who was on his way. We're talking about King David and the joy that he had in being in the presence of the Lord. And King David wasn't perfect. He had a heart after God, but he was not perfect. We, we see when we read the story of his life that there was sin that he walked in and that he repented of. But the beauty of it was that even, even when he walked in repentance, he still found joy in who God was. Like, the, the right relationship with God was more valuable than the, than the humility that he had to w- to walk in. Sorry, I didn't say that quite right, but the, the repentance that he had to walk in to humble himself made it all that was worth it because of who God was, and that he, by repenting and walking in repentance, he was reunited to the dwelling place of God. All right, verses 3... Through five. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up and the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for Jerusalem were set, the thrones of the house of David. So in this section, you see tribes and you see thrones. I think it's. God's been really kind. Last week, He gave us. Just a a little interlude in the midst of the sermon about rational and irrational fears at a time where there's lots of fears. And then at this time, he's provided this idea of tribes, right? Where we have these idea of tribes. And so the tribes were the twelve children of Jacob that we already talked about. And they got to enter into the promised land. But they all went to different sections of the promised land and lived within their own tribes and within, within their own families, so depending on where they were, they would have some different cultures. If it was cold, they would wear different clothes than the people that lived where it was warm all the time. That would also change some of their skin color because some of them would live in the shade all the time and some of them would live out in the open. And so they would, they would also adopt some of the cultures of the people that they lived next to. But if they were scattered throughout, they lived next to different people. And so they had different cultures. And yet they had something in common that every year they would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Three times a year, they would come for the Feast of uh, Passover and for the Feast of Pentecost and for the Feast of Booths. And that's what they had in common was that they would worship their God together. And so while all those other things might have been different, they shared this dwelling, going to the dwelling place of God together and that was their greatest joy. To be together, worshiping their God. And so you have the tribes But you also have these thrones that are established. And we already talked about a little bit, the idea that thrones mean judgment. Thrones mean that somebody is ruling. Thrones mean that there is a Lord and that He has the right to say you're wrong. And then to exact punishment for that wrongdoing. But if we're not in the wrongdoing, we want want a good and just judge. We want someone that's going to pay you for what you deserve. But when we are in the wrongdoing, we want a merciful judge. And yet what we get in God is we get both. We get a God who is righteous and pure and holy. One who would punish and send Adam and Eve out of the garden. Who would demand repentance from David when he walked in sin. Who would not allow Moses to enter into the promised land because of his sin. And all those things seem harsh, but that's what we want, is a God who is just and true and righteous. But at the same time, we get a God who is merciful and kind who's faithful to Himself even when we're unfaithful. And so the thrones that are established in Jerusalem, the seat that God would sit in, right that He appoints David to sit in and to rule, there's a promise that later on, another one will come to sit in those thrones. Another one will come to judge. And so they take hope in that. So tribes and thrones, those are good, sweet things in the city of Jerusalem, which is God's dwelling place. Finally, we move into the, the third section, and we see that there's shalom, that there's peace. Verses 6-9 through nine say this, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This first part of verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Well, the interesting thing is that Jerusalem, when you look at it, you can see the last five letters of Jerusalem are S-A-L-E-M, Salem, which is Shalom, which is peace. So Jerusalem is actually... Translated often as vision of peace. And so he's saying, pray that that peace, that vision of peace, would become actual peace. Right? That the city that we long for, where God dwells, wouldn't just be this vision of peace, but it would be peace. Not a, not a stopping of conflict, but a complete satisfaction. Right? A complete rest. That that would happen. And so that's what David's saying. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem may they be secure who love you may the people that dwell and come into your house with gladness and with rejoicing may they be secure and at rest and at peace there this idea of home we talked about it in community group a couple weeks ago what does home mean what are adjectives that you think of when you think of home Many of us said comfort and rest and peace and being known, right? Those are the things that we're talking about. And we don't just want a vision of that, but we want actual reality of that. Well, we can read the story. Unfortunately, the the people that God had called to Himself again walked in rebellion. It says, it's an ongoing story. It's the story of our lives too. We, we long for God and yet we try to put our hope in other things and we rebel often and say, God, I, can do, I got this. I'll come to you when I need the big thing. Right? So I'm just going to take care of the day-to-day and we think that we can do it in and of ourselves. Well, that was the case for the Israelite people and eventually they were divided into two kingdoms and both kingdoms end up going into exile and are conquered and the temple is destroyed and so there's wailing, there's, there's a crushing of the people because they, they're like, that's what we were putting our hope in. But God had given them a promise that one would come and He would fulfill the temple and He would rebuild the temple. And that there would be a Messiah who would come. And so the people clung to that hope. You see, we have moments and glimpses of what is to come, just like the, the Israelites did, where they experienced Jerusalem. We experience community. We experience joy and worship. We experience moments where we're like, man, that's that's the good satisfaction of knowing Christ. And yet they seem to fade, right? They, we don't stay in them all the time. And so we too are hoping for the vision that we have there in that moment to become a reality. That we would rest in Jesus all the time. See, the promise was that that God would come and He would dwell amongst His people. The Gospel of John begins that way. It says that the Word became flesh. The Word there is pointing to God, and He says God became flesh and He dwelt among us. So when we long for a temple, when we long for to be in the presence of God, we've been given the presence of God. We've been given the new temple in the person of Jesus. Colossians Paul's preaching and he's reminding the Colossians of why they should rejoice. And he says that because in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Through Him, He's reconciling all things to Himself. That's our hope. That we would, in Jesus, find joy and rest and peace because of what He's doing. Because of the kingdom that He's bringing about where people can truly love each other. Because they love their God. And so they could sojourn together to the temple, even if they are different, even if they have different ideas and different priorities, when they, their top priority is to worship God. And they're going to sacrifice their lives to do that. We can't, even, we can't even imagine as Christians like taking an hour. They take weeks to travel <laughs> to worship their God, and yet we find it inconvenient sometimes to take a couple hours. And yet, there's joy that we experience here as the body of Christ together, worshiping our God. What a promise that we have in the New Testament that Jesus is our hope, that He is our shalom, that He's the Prince of Peace. You know, but a lot of, a lot of people missed, a lot of people that had hoped for a Messiah missed the Messiah because He came in a way that was different from what they were expecting. He came frail. He came in human form. He came in the flesh. He came as a baby. Weak. Right? A mess. Needy. But He was fully human. And He was fully God. He grew and He walked in righteousness. And He obeyed the law perfectly. Not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Because He knew... The God who spoke the law into the being. He was the God who spoke the law in the beginning. He, he was with God in the beginning. He is the pers- perfection of all that we see alluded to in the Old Testament. He's the perfect temple. He's the perfect tabernacle. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's the perfect priest and the perfect mediator. He is the Savior that was promised. He's the Messiah, the coming One, who would restore all things and restore humanity to God. He was all of those things while he walked in humanity until humanity, us, we killed him. We, maybe not us personally, but we as humans rebelled again and took the life of Christ. But it was all part of the plan. It was all part of God's perfect plan of restoring and bringing about His His perfect peace, His shalom, the new Jerusalem. You see, the New Testament temple Jesus was crushed. He hung on a tree. He was rebuked. It looked like hope was lost again. So anybody who did believe what Jesus was saying about Him being the new temple, now they've gone through the whole thing again because they saw their first temple crushed and now they've seen Jesus crucified. Can you imagine that, that that roller coaster of seeing your hopes in one person and then be crushed? But the good news is that three days later he rose again. He restored the temple. Just like the Old Testament temple was being torn down it was part of his plan because he rose, proving the power that God has both over sin and death, proving that he is righteous. He is both God and man. All Old Testament prophecy was true, and it was true and it was good. He ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God, mediating for you and I before God. And if we are in him, he is our guardian. He's our keeper, that we talked about last week. He's our priest. He's our peace, our shalom. He's where we find satisfaction. You see, the Prince of Peace who established victory, He's going to come again. So even now, we've seen a taste of that. But there will become a time where that vision of peace will become actual peace because Jesus is coming back and He's going to restore all the brokenness. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more sin because He will crush the serpent under His foot. And we will walk in that reality. And any peace we experience now is because of Jesus Any satisfaction we have is because of Him. I want to look lastly at 7 and 8. Sorry, verses 8 and 9. It says, When we cry out for peace, we cry out for Jesus. We acknowledge that if I'm at peace with God, it's because of the work of Jesus. And if you're not experiencing peace this morning, maybe it's because you don't know Jesus. I would challenge you. Say, God, Lord, You say that this is true, but I'm not walking in any of this. I haven't even seen visions of it. Much less... The fullness of it. I would invite you to, to, to talk to us, to pray. Pray and ask God to reveal Himself to you. To show you His peace. Maybe you're not experiencing peace this morning, but you are struggling to fight for it. I'd say struggle. <laughs> fight for that peace. right? Fight for remembering who Christ is and what He's done for you. And the beauty of it is that we get to do that together. You see, verse 8 says, For my brothers and companions' sake... I will say, peace be within you. The best thing that we can receive together is the peace that God is offering. It's for us, as a community, as a group, for our brothers and our companions, for our wives, our children, our friends, our neighbors, that they would see Christ, savor Him, know Him, and rest in Him. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 9 says, For the sake of the house of our Lord, I will seek your good. You see, if we together believe these things and are encouraging one another in the Word through the Spirit, all of this gives glory to God, which is the sole end of man. That's the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so we get to do it as a community to be encouraged for our brothers and our companions' sake, but we also glorify God. And the house, the name of the house of the Lord is glorified. I think... House of the Lord uh maybe maybe you've heard of Game of Thrones, read the books or something, but just like the the house and so everybody fights for their house's sake to be known, and so we have a house, we have a name that we cling to we we long that the house of the Lord would be known and be there would be glory there, and people would long to know him. All of this is done we're united by God, through Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. And so, together we worship for His glory. It's where the psalm ends. The glory of God. I pray that we would be challenged this week, that we would be changed. That we would also see that, hey, there's a, there's a reality of thrones and tribes that that I need to sit under the lordship of Christ, and I need to do it together with people that, that are sinners like me. and And we may not... We may not agree all the time, but we point and we chase after the One who has united us together and given us His peace. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the encouragement that we have in Your Word. Lord, stir our hearts that we would long for something more than the day-to-day grind, that we would have a vision of home, that we would have a vision of Jerusalem, a vision of peace and satisfaction that's more than, than what, we're, what we're experiencing right now, Lord. I pray that we would cling to the promise that we have, that You are coming again. Lord, and that in that waiting, in that sojourning, while we wait for You to come again, Lord, that we would be active in the proclamation of Your Word, that we would be active in the worship of Your glory. God, stir our hearts. I thank You for community to do that together with. God, you are good and kind. We thank you for Jesus, the perfect peace, the fulfillment of the vision. God, I pray that we would rest there today. In Jesus' name, amen.